you guys can just stay seated. I'm not going to, I'm going to be all over the place with scripture. I was, um, I want to talk to you guys about purpose tonight. Um, the Lord's been dealing with me. Every pit has its purpose. And I'm not really going to talk about Joseph at all tonight, actually. Um, but every pit that we've had in life, there's been a purpose to that pit. And I kept having that go over and over in my head. And I was talking this morning to someone and I was sharing. We, we got on the subject, probably when I was distracted at the red light. But um, about the worst summer I ever had. And I was thinking, you know, out of that worst summer I've ever had, I learned the most lessons out of that summer. And I remember my mom took me to Hardy, Arkansas. I don't know if y'all know where that is or not. And there was a cabin out there. And let me remind you, I'm an older teenager, okay? And even as an older teenager, we didn't have like these cool cell phones that all these teenagers have now. I'm that old, Haley. And so, uh, but we did have cable that we like to watch. We did have the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo. So we had those kind of games to play. And then I did like to play like kickball, baseball, basketball. None of that was available in these hills in Hardy. So my mom took us out there for the summer and was going to teach us survival. We did have electricity, but no indoor plumbing. There was an outhouse. Um, there was a refrigerator, and I do remember a sink in the kitchen. Okay, we, we couldn't use dishes, so we learned how to build a fire, and then we learned how to cook on an open fire. The chicken wasn't too bad. Actually, it was pretty good. But I hated having to get up in the middle of the night, in the middle of the woods, with a flashlight going to the outhouse. That was one of my complaints. Y'all, it's disgusting. I feel sorry for people who live like that their whole lives. And then another thing was we had to build this out of, I guess it's what farmers use to keep chemicals in, is a big plastic barrel. We had to pick this barrel up and we set it on the, this is me and my sisters, and we had to cut it out to catch rainwater so we could shower when it filled up with rainwater. We had a little open, we had to untwist. Uh, so we learned how to do that. And then when it didn't rain, Sister Rennell, guess what we had to do? We had to go to the river to take a bath. River and bath don't go together in my book, okay? So we learned how to do that. And then the next thing, I hate doing this. hate doing this. We had to take this washboard. We was on the back deck, and we had to wash our clothes on this washboard. And then we had to rinse them in a different tub. And then we had to hang our clothes up over the side of this deck to dry our clothes. So we had to learn how to use that washboard. And it wasn't like bleach or... Uh, fancy soap we had to take the soap bar that we use in the shower to wash the clothes on the washboard in this wash tub I did not like this summer whatsoever but I did learn a lot one lesson I learned was while I was washing my clothes I got stung by a wasp and barely made it to the hospital I couldn't breathe sister butler and that's when I figured out I was allergic to wasp deathly allergic so I did learn that lesson uh, I learned a lot of things. Do I want to do that all over again to prove to you that I can still do them? Absolutely not. Um, but I'm not where I can't do it, Sister Rennell. So I did learn a lot in that summer. It was a the worst summer. And I got to thinking, you know what? 
Every terrible situation I've gone through in life, every pit we've been in or hard time is when I learn everything that I need to know to get through life. Every single one of them. Now, there's good times and there's celebrations in life too. But do I learn as much lessons? Absolutely not. Sometimes I learn nothing except for the fact that it felt good and I had a lot of laughs. Um, but if anything in life that I've learned, it's been through a life lesson in a difficult time. So I'm going to actually reteach some of a message I've taught before because we need every single one of us have purpose. Point at yourself and say, I have purpose. I have purpose. Absolutely. You look next to you, that person has a purpose in their life. Everybody does. You go out those doors tonight, and I felt this in my spirit this morning. You know, the drunk that walks around town, he has a purpose. She has a purpose. The addict that you know that keeps struggling and failing, they have a purpose in life. Uh, the drug dealer, they have a purpose. That abuser, they have a purpose. What, whatever person that has a title stuck to them, they have a purpose. The good title or the bad title. Every single one of us that God created... On this earth, he created you with a purpose. Now, if you're living that purpose out or not, that's, that's all up to you. That's where you have to answer that. And I want to encourage you tonight. When you see somebody, if there's someone you look up to, they might not. Just because they're doing good doesn't mean they're serving their purpose. That doesn't mean it at all. Uh, they could have chose a high life of materialistic things and money over the purpose that God gave them in life. So it doesn't mean that they're really serving their purpose. I will tell you this, though. When you're out of the will of God and you're not doing what he's created you to do, you'll be miserable. You'll never wake up happy. But when you're doing what God's created you to do and you get up every day and you're doing that, you're not a miserable person. You feel that godly satisfaction that I'm doing exactly what I was created to do. And that's when you know that you are um, doing the purpose that God has put you in. You're walking and you're following the footsteps that he has laid before you. So with that purpose in mind tonight, I want you to really think about that. Am I... Am I doing what God created me to do? Am I serving my purpose? And there's another thing that I've realized, and I'm going to point this out to you. If you're like, Sister Laura, how do I know what my purpose is? You know that there's grown grown adults that don't even know what their purpose is in life? There is. Um, there's young people who we, we mainly would think that they don't know yet. But there is young people who do know their purpose. I noticed that everything that I've gone through in life is very similar. I was even talking to someone. I was like, I don't want to talk about the pit. I want to talk about something funny or fun. I said, why do I always have to talk about this kind of stuff? And they're like, because that's what you've lived through. This is your purpose. You're familiar. You're learning lessons. So what you've dealt with most of your life in your relationship with God, that's what he's calling you to. Where is your knowledge coming from? Where have you gained your knowledge from? Where are you most knowledgeable in when you're in your walk with God? That's where you're going to see where most of your purpose is coming from, where he's going to use you in his walk. So with that being said as well, uh, there's one common denominator in every single pit. So every pit has a purpose, but no matter what the pit you are in or ever been in, the common lesson learned is learn how to, number one, fight, and number two, build the faith. 
if you're going to exercise and to walk into your purpose and the power that God gives you, you have to have those two things. And in order to be in, to have those two things, get to what you're going to have to be in. You're going to have to be in a battle. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But battles aren't always bad. Sometimes battling people is fun. I love competing with people. I mean, I, I'm always up for a, a good competition, especially if I know I'm going to win. So... With God on our side, sometimes it feels like we may not ever win. Uh, or we will win. But with the enemy coming against us, some of the battles, we feel like we won't win those battles. But with God on our side, we will win. So in ancient battle, it's common for a soldier to have a, a shield. And I love this. When, when I, this is one lesson that has stuck to me. And I remind myself of this lesson. I always picture the little shields they hold up here. You know when you go play, play paintball or um, some fun games, you have a little shield. No. Uh, the Roman soldiers in the Bible, they had a full body shield. They had it here. They had to be strong men, and it would cover from their head to their feet. They would stick it in the ground. So that, that shield was huge. And the enemy could not get to them. It, it covered their entire body. The only way the enemy could to get to them is if they came around from the back because their back was open. But guess who's always behind you? He's always covering you. He's always around you. But we have a shield that is designed to block what Satan is shooting at us. And we don't get to stop him from shooting. You don't have, you can't, you can't control the enemy is when he's going to shoot or how he's going to shoot. He, you're, you're a walking target for the enemy, especially when you're walking in your purpose you have a target on your back, okay? But we can, what we can do is we can get him to stop from reaching his desired target. And that's our minds. Because if he can get in here, he can control the rest of your body. Okay? He can manipulate you. He can distract you. He can cause you to have emotions that are completely fake. So we have to guard our minds. So the Bible calls it the shield of faith. And just like Brother Johnson said, I'm not going to go through the armor of God tonight. But the Roman soldier's shield was so big that his entire body could hide behind it. God has given us such a shield so big that it covers our entire life. That's how big our God is. Because if we cover our entire life with the blood of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus. If we cover our entire life with faith because we trust in him, our life is covered. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Amen? He is our refuge and our shield. He's a strong tower that we may run into it. That's what our God is. I'm not going to fear my future because I know my future is in his hands and he's covering me. So the Bible also refers to the fiery darts of Satan. And these are just arrows that deer hunters use. Um, I think about that before. But these are arrows. This is what I, I, I just felt this every time I think about it. I can see Satan every single morning. And maybe I'm the only one that thinks war all the time or battles because I like fighting. But I can just picture him and it makes me so angry. And um, him taking that dark 
stick it in gasoline and just lighting it up and getting ready to shoot at me. And I'm just already saying, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I claim victory over my family. I claim victory over my finances. I claim victory over my ministry. I claim victory over my church. I claim victory over first recovery. When you're claiming the victory and you're pleading the blood of Jesus over every single situation, that fiery dart is not going to reach that place because you just pray the victory and the shield over it. He can't get to it. So he already lost. So when I imagine that being soaked in the oil and set aflame by hell's fire, it's like when the cowboys and the Indians were fighting and the Indians would surround the wagon. You know the wagon. You know what I'm talking about. It's cloth covered. That's where they would take um, and run into. They would sleep. The women would have all their belongings in there. That was their home. And one Indian would take an arrow and light it and burn the canvas of that wagon and it exposed everything. It exposed everything that their whole life, where they lived. One Indian would take that arrow and light it and burn the the canvas of the wagon. And this would leave the cowboys completely exposed, the women, the children, everything exposed. What Satan wants to do is he wants to create a spiritual distraction, a fiery dart to expose us to his frontal assault and his frontal attacks. But fortunately, we have the shield of faith and it guards us. Without that shield, husbands, wives, mamas, daddies, grandma, grandpa, without that shield covering your family and you're stepping back and you're not... This is what scares me. If you skip on that prayer time, if you skip on that church service, if you skip on this from God and this from God, and that fiery dart is pulled back and shot, it can be shot at your relationship. It can be shot at your family, at your kids. And if it hits it, it's exposing everything. And then the enemy has full access to your family. So every time I think about, I don't have time to pray this morning. Or, you know what, I'm not feeling that great, so I'm not going to go to church tonight. I'm really tired. I have a headache. What am I doing? I'm missing out on the opportunity to, to grow in God and to put that shield over my family. Some of you here tonight, you're the only ones praying for those that's in your family that's lost. I was sharing a story and testimony. I, I was, I've just been looking back this past week where God's brought me from. When every time I share my full testimony, it, I get to thinking, God, why in the world did you choose to protect me and save me? I didn't even know who you were. That's how good he is. He is so good. I can't, brother Casey, I can't get over how good he is that when I didn't even know he existed. The things that he protected me from. And it's because Sister Butler prayed for Chris Butler's future wife when he was a little baby. So her prayers, praying for Chris Butler's future wife, were protecting me when I had nobody else praying for me. Because I didn't, nobody else knew God. That's how powerful your prayers are. So if you ever feel like your prayers aren't going anywhere because you aren't seeing the results that you think you should see... That's a distraction from the enemy. You need to rebuke him, dust that off your feet, and move on. Because greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. And if you allow him to distract you with that lie, then he can control the rest of your relationship with God. I ain't giving him that power. 
I'm thankful for the power that God's given me. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for my faith tonight. So we've got to take charge, and we need to tell the devil who's, who's in charge. So what Satan wants to do is create that spiritual distraction, a fiery dart to expose all of those attacks. So what is faith like? Faith is like acting like God is telling the truth. When you have faith in something, you're, God told me that. God's telling the truth. When you start questioning it, you're questioning if God was honest with you. Think of it like that. I don't like for people to question me. When I told them I would do something, now, Sister Angel has to question me a lot, but that's different, okay? That's because my ADD's kicked in, and she's like, Sister Laura, you going to put a tea bag in that water? Aren't you making tea? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I get that, okay? So, but, but when God's given you a promise... A promise, and you it's been, it's been in your spirit, and you start questioning if it's going to happen, you're questioning God. You're questioning his honesty. You're questioning if he's telling the truth. It's acting like it is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. I hate it when my mom would say, because I said so. But I like it when God says, because I said so. Because I know that I can take it to the bank, Sister Butler. I know that I can hold on to it, and it is going to come to pass. It might be a day. It might be a week. It might be 12 years. Ask the lady with the issue of blood. 12 years. But when God healed her, he did it. Complete wholeness. She was walked away as if nothing ever happened. That's how good our God is. So when you act in faith based on what God has said... It's trumping your feelings even when trumping the facts. So don't go based on, I could tell you, I don't know how many times I've been so mad at God. I've been so upset with him because I let my feelings get the best of me. I'm not standing up here tonight telling you that, you know, I've never given in to my feelings. I've never felt discouraged or I've never been upset because if I was doing that tonight, I would be lying to you. I felt discouragement. I felt hopelessness before. I felt like giving up. I don't know how many times. Sometimes I did try to give up and God threw the towel back at me. He said, not today, honey. Come on. You know, he pulled me along. So we have to put up our shield of faith. And the Bible says that we will overcome the evil one. 1 John 2 verses 13 and 14. We will overcome the evil one. Guess what? By our faith. Even if you don't feel it, but you speak it in faith. I believe so because God said so. You're already making the biggest move in your life. When God sees you believing in him in spite of the attacks coming against you, he will put up a barrier to cover you. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 and 2 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For it is... For by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. Uh, Ephesians six sixteen says, Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts. Not some of them, not the little ones, not this or that. He said all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. Every single one of them that's meant to destroy you, you can quench that dart with your faith. 1 John 2 and 14 says, 
I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So spoke a little about the fiery darts. Faith to bring you to the main point is which is how to not only quench the fiery darts through faith, but you need to fight back. If you can't, I, I cannot stand it. I was just telling a story. Some of you are probably going to think really bad of me, but here it goes. I'm too transparent sometimes, bro. Littles. I cannot stand it when I see a bully picking on somebody. I can't, it just bothers me. And the enemy is a bully. I remember when Dawson was riding the school bus, we moved to Marmaduke. I think I might have shared this story. But this is the kind of parent I am. But uh, this kid kept picking on Dawson, punched him in the face, throw him on the ground. I mean, he would come with bruises. I went to the bus driver. It kept happening. I went to the principal. It kept happening. Everything kept happening. And this mama was about ready to go drag that boy off the bus myself. I know I would have ended up in jail. So I told Dawson what to do the way I was raised. And I said, son, if he touches you tomorrow... You have to punch him as hard as you can in the face. I said, if you come home tomorrow and you didn't punch him as hard as you can in the face, I'm spanking you. I said, you're going to start standing up for yourself. No, mom, I can't. I'm not supposed to. And I mean, he's very tenderhearted. I said, I'm telling you, your cousins are going to tell me if he touches you tomorrow, you are to punch him as hard as you can in the face. And if you don't, I'm spanking you. So the next day, sure enough, the boy took his backpack. My cousin, my niece said, Slammed him to the ground. Dawson gets up and he punches the boy as hard as he can right in the face. The boy's nose is bleeding. And guess what my son does? He turns around. He said, I'm so sorry. My mama said I had to do that. Started apologizing to the boy and said, my mama said I had to do that. But you know what? That boy stopped punching him in the face and they became friends and they started sitting together on the bus. And I got called to the principal's office the next day. And I was okay with that. She questioned my parenting skills. I'm sure all of you probably are too. But I can't stand a bully. And sometimes when the enemy comes at us, we've got to fight. You can't back down. You can't give up. You can't get discouraged. You've got to stand up for what you know what's right regardless what you feel. And you've got to fight back. We've got to fight the enemy. So... um, The last scripture that I just read to you tells exactly how to overcome the wicked one. And it says, again, in 1 John 2, 14, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are the strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Okay, Ephesians six seventeen says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So we know in 1 John 2, 14 it says, Because you are strong, the word of God abides in you. What is the sword? The sword is the word of God. So that sword abides in them. The word of God abides in them. So which is the word of God? When you continue to read the scripture. So the, the sword... Of the spirit 
is the written word of God. And a recent study I've learned that the word sword here is very critical in this verse because it's not referring to the long sword that a Roman soldier uses, but more of a short dagger. They were used for close quarter battles. You don't use a big sword in a close quarter battle. I'm going to tell you right now, I have one at home, Chris's sword, and I brought it up here before a show job. Um, you can't hold that sword up. You'll have your arm way back here. You can't stab someone with a big, long sword when they're right here. It's difficult, okay? But what you have to do in a close quarter battle is you have to have a little dagger. That's so much easier to stab whichever way you want to stab. Um, so that's what was used in close quarter battles. This is a frontal assault on your life. Your world, your family, your mind, your circumstances. This is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God because Satan can't defeat the word of God. Remember Jesus in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 where he is attacked by Satan. What was Jesus' counterattack? He quoted scripture every single time. I have so many ask me about fighting in the spirit and spiritual warfare as if they think that they need to be trained professional prayer warrior, have the perfect words. That's not the case. Not the case at all. All you have to do, if you really want to know how to fight spiritual warfare, is give Satan the best Bible study ever. Open up the word of God and quote scripture. That's spiritual warfare. You're fighting him with the sword. You're taking the dagger and you're stabbing him right where it hurts the most. So give Satan a good Bible study. That's what Jesus did. Jesus quoted scripture to Satan because he knew the devil couldn't handle the word of God. Every attack that comes up against you, find a scripture for it and quote it out loud to the devil. And when you do this, you stick a dagger right in his heart. The point is that the fuller your the fuller your command of God's word, the more effective that you are in battle. So the more scriptures you know, the better off you are. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm terrible at memorization. Terrible. I would not do good at Bible quizzing, okay? And I'm not being negative. I'm just being honest. But I do know a scripture that I have to use often because I know that where he attacks me at. The places that he attacks me at isn't going to be places that he's going to attack you or you or you. He attacks us all differently because we all different. We all have different weaknesses in our life. So, if you are not picking up the sword every day, then you are not preparing yourself. You're not strengthening yourself for battle. So let me ask you this. How can you handle something that you never handle? I wish Ashley was here tonight. I know it's her birthday, and I always share this story. It's my favorite story, so I want to share it again. So if you heard it, just smile like you've never heard it, okay? So... I remember when Ashley Willett, or Coleman now, would come over my house to stay the night, and a couple of other girls would come over my house to stay the night. Chris had this big Roman soldier sword hanging on the wall with this big fancy plaque because he would, he would just collect all these swords. And one night, I was going to show the girls we were going to have a sword fight, like Zorro. So I walked over to the wall, Brother Littles. I took that big old sword. I wish I had it here tonight, but... My brother-in-law has it in Marmaduke because I'm not allowed to play with it anymore. So he has this big sword, and I went to pick it up like this, and I was going to, and guess what happened? It fell right into the wall. 
it knocked a hole in the wall. So there's a hole in my wall at my house. Chris is at work, and I have all the girls. We're all laughing because they said, Sister Laura, Brother Chris is going to get so mad at you. Yes, he's going to get so mad at me. So what we did was we took a picture, and we hung it up on the wall over the hole so Brother Chris wouldn't see the hole in the wall when he got home. But that sword was heavy for me. I couldn't handle that sword like I thought. It looked easy. It looked like no problem when they do it on TV. But that sword was heavy because I wasn't used to handling it. If you think you can't understand the word of God, if you think that you can't do this or that with the word of God, it's because you've got to pick it up more. You've got to handle the word of God more. And the more that you handle the word of God, the easier it's going to come to you, the more you're going to understand it, and the more you can use it against the enemy. And you're going to be able to... There's sometimes scripture will come out of my mouth. I'm like, I didn't know I knew that scripture. Because the word of God starts working in you because you're using it more and more and more. That's how powerful the word of God is. So, I'm going to say that again. How can you handle something that you never handle? Get the sword. Start handling it. Pick it up. This ain't hard for me to pick up, Sister Renelle. I can walk with this because this Bible's been with me since I was 16 years old. I'm 39. You can do the math because I really don't know. But I can pick this sword up. This is, this is my sword. This Bible goes everywhere with me. I can handle it. And I feel, just hold it like this right now. I feel like I need to start walking up and down these aisles like I do when y'all ain't here. Just fighting the devil and shoving it in his face. But handle the word of God. I never handled that before, that sword. But I guarantee you the more I handled that sword, I wouldn't be knocking holes where they didn't belong. I know how to use it. So I'm getting ready to finish. What time is it? Oh, I'm good. I'm getting ready to finish here, Sister Rennell. Um... Let's look real quick at Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. So when you look back at verses 4, 7, and 10, each time Jesus quotes, it is written. And every single one of those verses, it is written. He never says the words, I believe or I feel, but it is written. Jesus quotes scripture regardless how he is feeling. What he sees around him or his environment. You don't win spiritual battles by overreacting or reacting to your emotions or to chaos surrounding you, but by the uh, quoting the scripture. Uh, one of mine is uh, for fear or anxiety. When I get fearful of things, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. I've had to quote, I had to quote that several times. I know after, um, I lost Chris, I got so scared that I was going to lose Dawson. I just took a grip on him. I didn't want him going anywhere. I didn't want him staying nowhere. I let fear get a hold of me. And he goes, Mom, you're so overprotective. And I realized I was being overprotective. I had to do whatever I can to make sure that if he's in the right car with the right person or I didn't want him going to another state. I didn't want him going so far because I had to make sure that I kept him safe and nothing was going to happen to him. Because fear got in my, in my heart, in my life. When things happen to us, traumatic things, 
if we allow it to, it can control the rest of our lives. And you have, you start trying to control everything. So you make sure that tragedy don't strike again. But I hate to say it. You don't have that kind of control. So you have to let go of that fear and you have to allow God to start working in your life. So you got to quote those scriptures. And that's a scripture that I quoted because I needed God to take that fear out. And then I needed him to come in and to comfort me. So Make sure that you have your, your scripture, your war and prayer, that you have faith, that your shield is up and that God is covering you, that you are alert and that you are aware of the enemy's schemes and his fiery darts, that you are not distracted by anything and you know your purpose and you're walking in your purpose. So allow all those pits you've been in, allow them to teach you lessons for you to continue to walk down and in your purpose of life. And when you see someone else, like that drug addict, that alcoholic, that abuser, that drug dealer, what, what, or that backslidden sister or brother out there, don't condemn, don't point your finger, but love them. Love them. Don't even mention their sin. Don't. You shouldn't even see their sin. Don't even, you know what, that's, that's God's job. That's not your job. That's not my job. I'm not going to, you think they don't know their sin that you have to point it out to them? I'm sure they know their sin. I'm sure they feel that condemnation. I'm sure they feel that conviction. But you know what you need to do in order to, maybe you can be the one that pulls them back in, that God uses to pull them back in and get them back on the path of purpose is love. You love them and then you be the one that puts your shield in front of them and that you pray and you fight just like I talked tonight in this lesson that God gave me. We need to fight for that person. I want to fight for that person. I want them to feel God's love flow off of me. So when you pull your sword out and you start praying those scriptures out loud with authority to Satan, then three strikes and he's out. Jesus being tempted, he quoted three scriptures. So three strikes and you're out, Satan. So let's pray. God, to give us the wisdom and the understanding of your word and to bring scriptures to us as we pick up our sword and to help fight the enemy and to fill us up. I need God to fill me up. So if you'll stand tonight, I want us to pray. I want us to pray that God will... If you don't, if you feel like you don't know your purpose, I want God to reveal that to you because you need, you need to know, you need to know what you're created to do. And then I, so I want that to be the first prayer. I'm going to, I want us to do a guided prayer tonight. I don't know what you call those, but I want us to, number one, I want us to pray. I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're going to first pray for God to reveal purpose. If you already know your purpose, then I want you to thank God for your purpose and ask him to help you to stay on track, okay? So we're going to pray for that real quick. Lord, I pray right now, God. God, I want to thank you for the purpose, God, in my life. Thank you, God, for creating me to do, God, your will and trust in me, God. God, with the ministry, God, and the gifts that you've given me, God. Thank you for the purpose in my life and showing me, God, what that purpose is. God, I pray that you would continue to equip me, God, that you would strengthen me and 
help me to stay on track, God, with the purpose of my life. I pray for every single person in this house tonight, God. God, I pray that those who don't know their purpose, who question their purpose, God, I pray that you reveal your purpose, God, for their life, God. I pray that you would speak to them clearly, God. I rebuke distraction tonight, God. God, I pray that you would help them, God, to chase after that, God, to follow, God, God, through the doors that you open, God, for them to follow through with their purpose, God. Strengthen them tonight, God. Thank you for the purposes in this room tonight, God. Thank you for what you're doing in people's lives, God. Thank you, God, for equipping us, anointing us, God, and thank you for the authority of the Holy Ghost in our lives, God, to to fulfill the purposes in our lives, God. I claim victory over every single person in this house tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now, the second thing I want us to pray for, I want us to pray that God will use us to help build others who walked away from their purpose. Because I want to, I want us to help those to find their way back to God. So I want us to pray for every backslider out of this church right now. God, I want to pray for every single person, God, who's ever walked through those doors, God, and has lost their way, God. Lord, I pray that you would tug on their hearts tonight, God. God, I pray that you would open up their minds right now, God, wherever they are, God, whatever they're doing tonight, God. Help them to remember, God, the love they felt in this house. God, help them to remember what you've done for them, God, when they served you, God. God, bring to remembrance, God, their walk with you, Lord. God, their first love, God. God, I pray that you would put a longing in their heart tonight, God. God, that would just tug at them, God. God, I pray that you would flood this house, God, with every backslider out of this church, God. I thank you, God, right now, and I claim the victory, God, over their lives. God, I pray that you would put backsliders in our path this week, God. God, as we cross paths with those who used to come here, God, I pray, God, that you would help us to be sensitive to them, God. God, that you would speak through us, God. God, that you would help us to love on them, God. I pray that they find confidence, God, in you through us, God. And I want to thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I want to thank you for revival, God, here in Kennett, God. I claim victory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want to pray for the last thing. And the last thing is, I want you to put your... I remember Sister Magruder having us do this years ago in ladies' prayer meeting. She had us pray over our own minds. She had us put our hand on our own heads. And I've had to do this several times. But I want you to put your hand on your own head. We're going to pray over ourselves tonight. And I want you to rebuke every negative thought every negative word and discouragement, fear. I want you to rebuke it in Jesus' name and claim victory. God, right now, God, I rebuke every negative thought that may enter my mind. God, every unclean thought, God, that may enter our mind. I rebuke discouragement in Jesus' name, God. God, I give my mind to you, God. God, I close, God, my mind off to the enemy, God. I rebuke every fiery dart that may come at my mind tonight, God, in Jesus' name. 
name, God. God, I pray that we would grow a deaf ear to the enemy, God. God, I pray that your voice, God, will be the loudest voice in our lives, God. I claim victory over my mind tonight, God. God, I claim victory over my walk with you, God. I pray, God, that you would draw me closer to you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would give me a heavy spirit of conviction, God. God, I pray that your spirit would consume my life, God. God, everything that I do, God, everything that I say, God, God, I pray, God, that it was rivers of flowing rivers of water, God, will flow from me, God, unto others, Lord. Help me to be a light, God. Save me, God. God, do whatever it takes to keep me saved and on the right path, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for being a light into my path, God. Thank you for saving me, God. Thank you for filling me with the Holy Ghost, God. You are a good, good Father. I praise you tonight, God. Thank you for being my shield and my defense, God. Thank you for being my sword, God. My provider, my healer, God. You are so good. I worship you. I praise you and I exalt you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I claim victory tonight, God. You are wonderful, Jesus. You are wonderful, God. I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. I want you to walk in your purpose this week and walk in confidence in the Lord because he's already fighting our battles. In Jesus' name.